You're listening to the All You Can Eat Shrimp Podcast. I am joined today by my good friend, Caleb Lehman. Caleb is a lifelong activist of the conservative movement, going way back to his freshman year of college, revitalizing the college Republicans on his campus, and mentoring many young conservatives, including myself. Caleb is a driven individual who started his own company right out of college. He now owns and operates Land Plus Appraisals. Thank you for coming on, Caleb. Yeah, it's good to be on, Tim. I'm glad I can finally make it on this uh, great podcast that you've been doing lately, yeah. uh, staying involved with everything political and uh, having your voice be heard. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. Yeah, and one thing we need to get out of the way right now that I get, I probably get this question like 10 times a day from my, my listeners, why hasn't Caleb Lehman hand sponsored you yet? Well, I'll tell you what, the year-end uh, taxes are kind of getting put together here. I'll have to see uh, if I can make a donation or two and evade some of those uh, high percentage uh, income taxes. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, before we get into uh, the topics of the day, why don't you tell us about, a little bit about your company? Yeah, so I guess uh, right out of college, I... Uh, like most college students, uh, went into the workforce, had a major that kind of fit and then decided, well, that's not really what I wanted to do in life. So I kind of shifted gears a little bit, got into real estate, uh, got my real estate salesperson license as it's called, just being a realtor. Uh, and then from there I went on to become an appraiser as well and started my own appraisal company. Uh, from there I got, you know, there's different levels of each, uh, with certifications and, things of that nature that you have to log hours for to satisfy yep. state requirements and uh, kind of just built it from the ground up. And yeah, it's going well for me. I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm a new small business owner that started in the era of Trump. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, the era of Biden and BLM that we're not going to be seeing any small businesses anymore soon. Well, yeah, even I mean, for me personally, as an appraiser, I spend so much time on the road and with, uh, yeah. you know, gas and travel expenses going up so much. It's like that actually does bite into my profits, which causes me to raise my prices. And like everything else, I mean, it, it raises all tides like or the, the saying is uh, rising tide raises all boats, you know, so it, uh, it's going to cause everything to just kind of shift upward with all aspects of uh, business and society. So. Yeah, and just with everything going with BLM in the Kennedy's, Wisconsin, burning down small business owners, it's just insane. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe how many people, you know, going to Kenosha, and uh, I, I actually toured Kenosha, uh, went there with my drone that I use for business, and we took some shots, and I, I even posted some of the lower level shots, uh, kind of the slough stuff uh, on Facebook for everyone to see. Um, and... And this is right after the Jacob Blake rights where Cal House was, correct? Right. So when I went down there, I didn't go. I wasn't in there in the midst of the actual rioting that Cal Rittenhouse was involved in. I went in there, I think it was about two weeks after, to document uh, for a few groups. Uh, just, you know, what does it look like two weeks after? You know, people claim all the time you have insurance. Well, you know, if you think about that, even from a small business owner standpoint, yeah, the insurance may cover your building if you even have it. That's not even to say that every business actually has that. Uh, you, the minute, you know, let's say, let's take the car source, for an example. 
Um, you know, the minute you burn down the car source, yeah, maybe the vehicles are covered, maybe the building's covered, but you now have to shut down production or sales. Uh, your employees essentially are told, go home, you're fired. We don't have work for you to do here because until you completely revamp the building, until you get a whole new supply of cars in, there's just nothing to do. So even if you think of that in, in the idea that, well, businesses have insurance, you're really not thinking about the working man. Like we even took photos of, uh, it was a uh, furniture warehouse. Uh, you know, I think all those people, I mean, instantly fired probably, or let off, laid off a little bit. Uh, I mean, there's, <laughs> you need a building for one to have furniture showcase and you need furniture coming in and you know the oh, yeah. insurance people they, they don't just sweep up all those cars they don't just clean up all that burnt up furniture overnight I mean that sits there for a long time as you know even lawyers would probably get involved in most of that and you know they determine okay who really has to pay for this because honestly when you do have something like that uh coming about the blame really should be on these mostly left-leaning uh, legislatures and mayors and uh, you know, anyone, you know, that's in politics and has a say in how the, your state or local authorities are run. It's like, they, they were the ones that decided to hold back the police. They were the ones that didn't let the national guard come in. They, you know, essentially left, uh, the people to fend for themselves. And, you know, if you're not going to stand out there armed and protect your building, well, it's going to get burned down. So, oh yeah, um, you know, it's just, one of those things that, I, I mean, I do think that there has to be some responsibility for people that, you know, are in power, have the, they're the decision makers, they can send in the whole force and keep the streets peaceful, or they obviously in this case, decided to just let the left run rampant. And, you know, there should be some accountability there. But unfortunately, I don't know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, like, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, you, you're probably just old enough to remember, uh, this term uh rooftop koreans does that ring a bell oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah like rooftop yeah. koreans yeah yeah like in the wake of the la riots uh korean immigrants needed to defend their shops by taking i uh, it was either ar-15s or something similar and sitting on the roofs of their buildings and basically sniping rioters to protect their stores so basically doing exactly what kowrin house did yeah, I mean, if I remember right, because I've, I've read up on some of that uh, with the rooftop Koreans, a very interesting uh, situation there where literally the police force, I think, just sent out a kind of an FYI to the people that our police officers are being hunted down. You're on your own. Good luck. And I mean, that's what I would do. I'd be up on my rooftop. And if someone, you know, obviously, you're not just picking people off just to pick them off. You have to have a reasonable sense of uh, you know, self-defense going through your mind to actually have to pick off someone. But let, let me uh, point this out to you too. Uh, on the video that I posted online, even uh, some of those uh, lower tier photos that we even put on there, um, they're, they're pictures of buildings. And I, if you get a chance to watch it slowly or pause it even, uh, get a chance to just read everything that's written with spray paint on the on the windows but they're not really windows or boarded up windows on the plywood uh many of those buildings even though they're commercial buildings granted most of those older you know 1900s era commercial buildings they have apartment complexes on the second level you know the only buildings yeah. that don't have that is pretty much your car sources you know your your uh, showcase 
buildings or furniture stores like that, pretty much everything else, you know, if you got like a real estate office, let's say on the main level, you would be stupid not to rent out the apartment on the second floor. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, there's so many signs up that said, uh, women and children upstairs, don't burn this building down, blind, disabled. I know I saw, I saw veterans, you know, they're out every, anything that I would imagine is true um, that you can get to kind of pull on the heartstrings of these crazy, angry leftists uh, to get them to just not burn the building down. You could see it. It was obvious everywhere. They were just trying to post up just to get them to not burn these building down buildings down. So it's like, if you're literally having to defend your home, you know, everyone says, oh yeah, this is covered by insurance. It's like, well, what happens if you live in those apartments and it is burned to the ground? Then what are you doing? You're displacing people that probably if you're in an apartment above a store like that, you either own it or part of it and kind of are on a shoestring budget just to float yeah. your business or you're in a lower tier income renting a small apartment <laughs> in the main drag of town with where all the business goes. Um, you know, what effect are you having on those people too? You're, they're, they're angry, but they're angry at the wrong people or their, their actions are not justifiable for what they're trying to have come about in society. So it's really uh, mind-boggling how they think they're they're helping the situation <laughs> oh yeah like like just all the people willing to defend these rioting is just insane man like like uh how about we just go right into it like in in your opinion do you think calorie house did anything wrong when he took out those three guys you know i definitely not um not when he took out those three guys. I mean, I'd say if I were to critique him on anything, I would say next time wear a button camera. Because <laughs> as you know, and I know, because I remember kind of mentoring you in college too and telling you a few tips of uh, just being active politically. Uh, I mean, you never know, for me personally, it's like you never know when your college professor that you're having a one-on-one -on -one meeting with or you know, even just sitting at a table, you never know when someone's going to just blow their top off and uh, act crazy or try to assault you like you know just different instances a handful of them come to mind with me you know of things yeah. that caught on tape that is just insane for me if I was uh, with him you know with Kyle Rittenhouse that day um, defending it because I mean I've been to a couple protests where we've been documenting things and yeah uh, wearing button cameras things of that nature um, I mean it's just I guess I would say if you're on my crew, I would want you to have a button camera on or some even wearing a simple wire to get sound or, you know, something to record yourself just because of this situation. That, and, and really, you know, in Kyle's defense, there's so much video evidence already. It is just insane that this thing even made it into a courtroom. But the added, you know, personal view of what he was going through, how they were charging him, you know, even the second by second uh, view from his angle of what things were going on and just the people shouting at him or even talking to him all night long, like uh, Rosenbaum, I believe uh, he was the one that had quite a few interesting comments before this whole thing <laughs> even took place where shots were fired. You know, he was telling him, oh, if I get you alone, I'm going to kill you. Well, you know, if you get that on tape and the, I remember the prosecutor asking, um, one of the people that were brought in to testify on that specific issue, 
did he say that to Kyle Rittenhouse? Well, the answer was, well, yeah, he was standing right there and he said it to all of us. So therefore he said it to Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, if you can have even more video evidence of your second by second actions of what took place, it only benefits you, you know, at least it, it only benefits you as long as you're not doing anything wrong. You know, if you're the innocent party, it should only support you and you, you know, that's your video evidence to contribute. So, I mean, for him, I don't think there's been a more obvious case of self-defense just with all the video evidence that's available, everything, every piece of evidence that you look at, if you look at it, you know, with honesty and kind of put yourself in his shoes and say, what would I have done in that case? I don't think there's a more obvious case to be made of self-defense here. And so for that reason, I mean, if anything, I'd give him a pat on the back. I mean, he did for, for the situation he was in and the shots that he fired and the control that he showed when firing his air 15, I think it's applaudable, you know, how he, he only shot people who were yeah, trying yeah. to kill him. He didn't shoot into the crowd randomly. Um, I, I remember uh, part of the or the, uh, the defense and the prosecution were having to argue back and forth uh, a little bit of just, you know, his action in the, in the seconds uh, that led up to all of this. The prosecution was arguing, oh, he could have fired a warning shot. Uh, no, we couldn't. Hello, <laughs> like that's that's he, clearly this prosecutor has had no firearms training at all and doesn't know what he's talking about. If oh, you yeah. were on my crew, and we were going, it, 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 think about it this way: you're on my crew. We're going into a protest zone or a hostile zone where you know you, you're going to want the added protection, and you think you're going to fire a warning shot, you'll be sent home. We don't do that. You know that's you're one that shot where is that going? You know, what are you going to point it into the ground that, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong there too. But then also the well, idea of just perceived uh, threats. I mean, if you get people just popping shots off, doing a desk pop, <laughs> you know, like yeah. in that, uh, that one cop movie, they say, I'll oh, do a desk pop. It's like that instantly you're getting everyone, you know, on, on defense mode. And we're like, what's going on? Everyone's in a state of panic when people are just popping shots off. Oh, that's yeah. not what you want to do. You want to have control of your firearm. Uh, you, you don't just aim it even, even down to the ground just to what display aggression <laughs> towards people. I mean, that's just the dumbest idea I've ever heard from a prosecutor to say to do that. Uh, the other thing I was going to mention too, just with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, you know, his shooting, all those shots took place within seconds of each other. The prosecution said, well, he could have shot uh, once then like pause and see what's happening and reevaluate. No, in, in any self-defense yeah. case, you're, you, you're told you shoot until the threat is neutralized. And that doesn't mean shoot to kill. You shoot to neutralize the threat. Typically that means you aim low and you shoot and you put your man down. And if it takes 10 shots before you're confident that your man is down, then that's what it takes. And, you know, obviously with ricochet and everything, you got to, calibrate uh in with that to shoot straight but i mean the the idea of well we're gonna just shoot once you, you know you can't even tell like when people are even telling war stories of coming back from let's say being in the middle east or something there's times where your adrenaline's pumping so much you could have been shot and still charging and you you may only have 30 seconds to live well guess what it takes seconds to close a gap of 
what, 20 feet, 30 feet takes yeah. seconds only. I mean, yeah. you still, and, even if you're a dead man in one minute, you've got one minute and you can do quite a lot with that 60 seconds, uh, a lot of damage to people. So, I mean, yeah. until you're neutralized, you don't, you don't stop until the threat is neutralized. That's just common sense, self-defense uh, kind of one-on-one. Yeah. And if I, and that's just a normal situation. Like people tend to forget that this was a riot or as Kyle Rittenhouse put it, when he was asked what the urgency was, he says, I was trying to put out a fire or like, and how old was uh, that Rosenberg or guy that was tackling him? Oh, Rosenbaum. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, I don't know. He had to have been at least in his thirties, I would imagine. Oh. I mean, I mean, if you yeah. even look at like his criminal record, um, you know, that guy, <laughs> it's just the, the people that you get coming out to these violent protests. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just amazing. Some of their track records, just going from the top to the bottom of the people that Kyle Rittenhouse had to shoot Rosenbaum sexually abused and molested five children. Okay. How is that guy out of jail at that age? I, I mean, that amazes me in this society. Five children, you can uh, do that too. And he's actually out walking the streets, throwing his, you know, medical bag <laughs> at people. Um, you know, that to me, if you think about that too, yeah, that guy, I mean, you think those five children that he did molest, I don't know, to me, it's such a struggle because that that to me is almost as bad as murder itself because you think that those five children are going to ever live a normal life. No. Oh yeah. I, yeah I mean, like, look, at the, look at the suicide rates or just the, the lives or the, the quality of life uh, that a person has when they've been molested as a child. I mean, that uh, it's such a sad case yeah. and for him to even just be out walking the streets like that. It just, I don't know that that didn't sit well with me either. Yeah. Uh, and just the fact that, uh, and like, yeah, like probably one thing that really helped Kyle was the fact that a lot of people really brought up the fact that Rosenbaum was a child molester. And yes, uh, the people who get their the ass kicked the most in prison are child molesters. So like if Kyle did end up in jail, he, everyone was going to say, oh, he was going to get uh, sexually assaulted. And like, no, they're going to treat him like a champion in jail because he took out a child molester. Yeah, I don't know about that so much. I mean, it's it, it can different opinions there yeah. too, but it's just, you know, the craziness of him being out and about. And it, I don't know, I mean, just it's a it's a failure yeah. of our criminal justice system is what it is whether you say you know how people would be treated if they were to go to jail one way or the other i mean it's just yeah. him being out on the street after doing that at that age you know i i don't know I, it, it's a failure of our Chris, uh of our criminal justice system yeah um but if you go to like the huber guy he he was the one that attacked rittenhouse with a skateboard okay you know his his track record charged with domestic abuse held his brother and grandmother at knife point obvious you know these people, the ones that attacked him, they have a track record of being violent, um, showing very little self-control and moral compass, I guess. Um, Grosskreutz uh, broken the a gun law when he had gone somewhere armed while intoxicated. You know, we, we, I don't know if you've seen the uh, videos online circulating of just his uh, DUI arrest and just the way he talked to the officers too. Uh, it just if you get a chance, take take a look at that whole 
uh, clip of just his, uh, and I get, you know, some people, if you're more libertarian too, you'll lean on the side of protecting yourself, not ask, answering questions of the cop, but just, you know, his open hostility towards police officers, pretty apparent, you know, and throughout that whole video too. Um, and again, you know, not to say that these guys were, they didn't deserve uh, getting shot just for that, you know, the, and I, I wouldn't even say, um, the, you know, the, the wording that I would say is when they charge at some, at an innocent person with the intent to kill or the intent to have great bodily harm, they really have forfeited their right to live. You know, if, if you're threatening someone else's safety with, you know, an innocent person's safety, I mean, that's, that simply is just uh, the facts of the case. And, you know, not to say that their past deemed it okay to do that, but just, it gives you an idea of, you know, the, the moral compass that these guys had, the, the track record, the, the respect for authority, you know, just their decision-making skills in general, you know, it, it paints a picture of what really was going on that night and who, who was on what side, even Grosskreutz, he was a part of that, uh, uh, what is it called? Revolution, Wisconsin Revolution Group 2. I mean, some of these guys, they just get so brainwashed into these ideas that they see themselves as, you know, martyrs, good, good to die for the cause or fight for the cause to the death. And, well, sometimes that knocks on the door and, you know, <laughs> for them, that they, they see it as, you know, a good thing. So, I mean, well, yeah, it, it's just, it's crazy to see how the, they're extremists, you know. They, exactly. they just have these ideas ingrained in their heads through propaganda and it through just, I don't know, t taking even the idea of, you know, what were they there to protest for? You know, we, we were talking about Jacob Blake. Okay, what, what did he do? Why are they upset about that whole situation? That guy was somewhere where he wasn't supposed to be at his, I believe it's his fiance's house. Uh, Ex-girlfriend, um, actually. Ex-girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Restraining orders are there. You know, he even had a violent past, I believe. Oh uh, yeah. And the police show up and the, the thing that you do is not comply, but you, you not only do you not comply, but you go to your car, which, you know, can, a car can be used as a weapon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then you reach for a knife. Okay. Well, Might there's a be. lot of issues there that have, you know, if you're not complying and you're, you know, looking at what, you know, what weapons does this guy potentially have to use? It's like, there again, he's, he's kind of forfeiting his life there too. When you're dealing with police officers that are there to protect and serve and you're acting crazy for lack oh, yeah. of a better term. And uh, like, you know, I, you know, I just want to hit that real quick. Like uh, Jacob Blake actually had the knife in his hand when this whole shooting went down and he actually had a warrant out for sexually assaulting the girl he was harassing at that moment so so yeah right, exactly i mean he yeah. wanted criminal who you know and that's a crazy thing too you know i i can just imagine being the police officer in that situation uh you know pulling up to this scene knowing that the guy you know, wanted criminal has got a track record of breaking the law, not complying. You know, you give him some orders. He's just not listening. And then he grabs a knife. It's like these leftists, 
what more do they need to see? You know, if the roles were reversed, if this was a conservative white guy, let's say, you know, what, at what point do you deem them a threat, you know, to everyone around them that they're just not listening? Uh, you know, even, I just remember from a young age too the idea of a knife, because this came up in college quite a bit. You'd get the Black Lives Matter people saying something about, you know, well, yeah. you're bringing a gun to a knife fight. Well, <laughs> for me personally, I was a big fan of Mythbusters uh, growing up just with their science experiments, everything like that. They, uh, they actually did an episode, you know, closing the gap with a knife. You know, when is it better to have a knife in your hand versus a, holster, a gun in your holster? Uh, you know, if you get a chance to take a look at that too, you know, I'm sure they got a snippet of it on YouTube or something, but you know, I, I think it was about like 20 or 30 feet. I want to say that you can actually close the gap with a knife and stab a guy before that guy could actually reach down, grab his gun and fire around accurately at the attacker. So, I mean, I, I it, it brings in the question, what do these people expect? What are they really fighting for in this case? Like, why is this your hill to die on? You know, especially even, even going back to the Kyle Rittenhouse case, this is your hill to die on the hill where you have so much video evidence of people coming after him, you know, beating him with a skateboard, charging him literally with the gun in his hand. Uh, even I, I was just surprised. I guess I was hoping for a directed verdict uh, after Gage Grosskreutz said on stand under oath that Kyle waited to shoot him until he himself had pointed his own illegally owned pistol with a round in the chamber ready to fire at his head. Only then did Kyle exercise his right to self-defense and fire around. It, that's your hill to die on? That. That's insane. Yeah, like, and can I just say, I love uh, the prosecutor's uh, reaction to, to that testimony. Like, when he said that and just him looking just so disappointed in him, that's when I knew that the court, that this trial was over. Like, if I was on that jury, I would have been like, I've heard enough. Uh, I want to cast my vote. Yeah. I mean, at least with the charges pertaining to gauge that should have been just directed verdict right there but even i mean all this stuff it's so well documented yeah. of who charged who or you know and if it really to be fair if it's not well documented and it's just a he said she said moment it's up to the prosecution to prove what happened that day and prove that he didn't act with a reasonable sense you know that he was in fear for his life so it, it's really it's, it's the roles were so reversed in this case of you know guilty until proven innocent and that's happened many times before with bigger cases i remember growing up uh just kind of getting myself into being one of these kind of trial junkies really getting the politics it was the zimmerman trial you know that case too i mean all these cases it just seems so crazy sometimes when you get into these leftist cities and you got presidents commenting on trials things of that nature it it turns into guilty until proven innocent, which is the exact opposite of how our legal system is supposed to work. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, probably like probably the best thing Donald Trump did as president was not get involved in any of these major public trials. Because, like, can you just imagine the shitstorm that would have? I mean, 
to be fair, he did defend Kyle Rittenhouse early on, but not while the trial was actively ongoing. Yeah. And I, I do like that the judge did say to them, you know, whether it was needed or not, you know, at least he, he did make the point to say, you know, you, you don't listen to the presidents. You don't, you know, if, if Joe Biden says Kyle's a white supremacist, that that's not accurate. I think he even multiple times the judge scolded the media. Uh, oh, yeah. The entire trial too, saying they, they literally got it wrong. There's no, there's, there's no contest here of whether they were at all truthful here. They were just, that was a lie completely. But the media was spreading. Um, and you, you just look at that too, just the amount of people, even online, uh, that just have either no idea about the trial, they just didn't pay attention to it, or they've just yeah. been hook, line, and sinkered in with this media narrative about Kyle as if he was like some sort of gun-toting white supremacist trying to play cop, gunning down, it, it, even the idea of him gunning down black people, which all these, all three of these guys were white, which was just, it's not hilarious, but it's just, it, it's ridiculous to think I, that that narrative even floated around for a bit there too. Um, but just, you know, all these ideas, the media got so far wrong and how many people still actually believe it just, you know, off of the clickbait that you get uh, uh, on Facebook uh, or, you know, other shares that it's, just, it's not accurate information, but who cares? You know, it, it fits the narrative. So run with it. And if it bleeds, it leads, you know, that's the media motto, right? Yeah. And the fact that uh, it probably, and the fact that this case ended right as Thanksgiving was happening was uh, really interesting timing because you got a lot of people riled up from the court case coming together for one of the least popular holidays and everyone already hates each other because they're traveling and you got this so everyone's going to be arguing like did you have a good thanksgiving yeah i had an awesome thanksgiving i was surprised uh just talking about the timing of it all i mean i guess if i was the judge I, i i don't know if I'm no lawyer, I guess, but I, I don't know if uh, he has to allow the jury to give their decision right when they make it or when they, you know, when, it, when the forms are filled out, do they have to present it right away in court? But uh, I believe they, so. They, yes. did this, they did this on a Friday afternoon. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess if if I was in that jury, either way that you turn on this, you know, if I was in that jury or if I was a judge and I could have stalled it at all until Monday morning, I would have done that, you know, not saying that there was anything, you know, super crazy, you know, there wasn't like, I'm just thinking about some of the other wild uh, riots that happened here, even in Minnesota with the George Floyd stuff, you know, it wasn't, as far as I know, there wasn't anything on that scale of rioting going on that day, but just the idea that, you're letting out this decision on a Friday afternoon, not, not even like late afternoon. I think it was early. It was like right after lunch, if I remember right. Um, uh, yeah, like it was fairly like, uh, I don't know, I'm in Colorado time. So I'm like an hour ahead of you. So like for me, it was like probably about 11 o'clock. Yeah, but my point is at 11 o'clock or even noon here for me, you're at just the right amount of time that all these protesters can get online and say, Hey, everyone's going to meet tonight at, you know, yeah. X location and riot. Right. Yep. All right. You know, there's just enough time to give them to collaborate <laughs> with their rioting. 
for the whole weekend in which they have, you know, two full days off yeah. to just do whatever they want. I don't know. Yeah. I, if there was any way to pull the brakes on it, to let it out on a Monday morning, 8, 8 a.m. Monday morning, I'd say do that instead. But yeah, you know, like, they, yeah, like for me, it was kind of interesting because I was working in downtown Denver right as the verdict came out and I was right in the middle of a Sam's club. So people were clearly upset. I could just see it on their face, just scrolling through social media. And I've often, and I often overheard people uh, either celebrate hating the verdict or condemn me, but it was definitely on their mind. So like, I'm not gonna lie. I was a little nervous about getting out of downtown Denver at that time. So, uh, so like, okay, like, if a riot does kick off because of this, uh, how the hell am I getting out? Yeah. And uh, yeah, but kind of going back to Thanksgiving, like, oh, my stepmom was so pissed about how the verdict, like, like uh, I don't remember the exact conversation, but uh, something came up, up about how did and uh my cousin actually he said oh if kyle can get off for shooting three guys i should be allowed to shoot shoot someone too and that I pissed off and that got my stepmom to go on this rant about how how oh i'll prove to you that it's racism because my stepmom's native american and i'll sit in downtown in this city in south dakota with a gun and we'll just see what happens and and it took me a lot of strength not to cause some shit be like okay if three if three men including a pedophile tackle you to the ground and start beating with a skateboard and you shoot him in the arm arm uh we'll, we'll see what happens okay yeah i i don't know if you watch uh, a lot with crowder he's one of my yeah uh favorite podcasts to watch as well um he he has pretty good humor on some of this but uh the idea that uh, Rosenbaum, <laughs> being the uh, child rapist that he is, or child molester that he is, uh, his last moments, he, he, Stephen Crowder kind of says it better, I'll butcher it here, but um, just the idea that his last moments were filled with running after a minor, saying F you, F you, F you, until he was shot dead. Uh, hello, uh, could anyone make the argument that if you bring that into court and say, well, Kyle was just fearing for his own bodily uh, harm, you know, here he was going to get harmed by a child molester. Well, you know, he's technically 17 and you're technically a minor then, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it's just crazy. But I, I would say, you know, for your mom's stance or anyone else's stance saying, oh, you know, that this means that I can do this or whatever, you know, like bringing up all these scenarios that are nowhere near the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would hope, you know, literally everybody, whether you're red, black, brown, yellow, green, purple, whatever color you are of a person, whatever, whatever religion, whatever, you know, gender, male or female, because there's only two, uh, you know, whatever you are as a person, if you're being attacked by someone who is trying to take your life, I would hope you would drop them where they stand that you, everyone has the right to defend their life. And that's, if, if they were set in the same situation that Kyle was, where your life is being threatened, whether it's by one person or three people in this case, you know, three different people, 
altering times or whatever. Uh, you know, I would hope for everyone that you would defend your life because life is valuable. All lives are valuable, not just, you know, the straight white cisgender males like Kyle Rittenhouse. That, that applies to everybody. That's why we have the Constitution and these laws that uh, there it, it should be applied equally to everybody. And that's what we would fight for, too, is that everyone has the right to defend themselves. And if someone's coming after you to take your life or to cause great bodily harm, you drop them dead where they stand. And that that applies yeah. to everybody. So. Yeah, like taking down, like I can honestly see BLM taking down private gun ownership if they, since they've already done a pretty good job of villainizing the police, why wouldn't they go after self-defense? Like, like, like you got to remember a big defense that a lot of people are saying in the wake of the George Floyd riots was that, who are we to tell them how to grieve? Like, I actually had a friend who was working in the Target that got looted right as things happened. Like, he didn't know what was going on. He just came back from break, just saw, just saw everyone freaking out. And next thing he knew, someone hit him in the back of the head of a baseball, and he went unconscious. He, he almost died from that. Yeah. And usually, you know, people that are criticizing this stuff, uh, not only do they not understand self-defense law, but usually they don't even understand basic firearms or firearm safety. Let's even take the prosecutor for an example. Uh, did you catch the bit where he, uh, you know, had the rifle up to his uh, shoulder and flagged the whole jury with it and had his finger? <laughs> Talk about uh, trigger control there, buddy. Uh, yep. Oh, yeah safely wrapped right around the trigger even though it it wasn't loaded but again i don't uh they said too he didn't even check that you're supposed to clear it in a courtroom like that or even you know it's just good practice in everyday life uh you know the, the detective may clear it the defense may clear it but the minute they hand it to you you clear it instantly just oh. good common sense gun safety you clear a weapon when you're handed it and <laughs> you don't point it at anything you're not intending to blow away He's and talking you to you. What's He's that? Talk, Caleb's talking to you, Mr. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, exactly. But you also, you keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire you. I mean, there's so many names you could call that guy, but oh yeah, uh, I know this show is for kids, right? So I, I, won't, uh, I won't get into that. But Hey, it's, no, my, pod, it's my podcast. <laughs> uh, get, get as cussy as you want. No, no, no. I wouldn't yeah. do that. But uh, no, I mean, the, the, the way that he... His his arguments, you know, going back to the idea of oh, pop off a warning shot because that'll fix it, you know, or in just the way he handles a gun, and, or you know, the firearm safety is something that should be taken very seriously by everybody involved. And if you're on the prosecution's team, I mean, it just it shows their incompetence when it comes to firearm knowledge. Even you know when he's discussing with Kyle the difference between hollow points and non-hollow point bullets and how they affect differently it's like the the idea of like where are you going with this what argument are you realistically trying to make here that is gonna make a difference as far as the outcome of the trial like they're just it, it just it turned out yeah. where it seemed like kyle was just schooling him on basic firearms knowledge and you know granted he didn't have all the answers obviously but just the way it was presented it's like if if he knew anything about firearms in different calibers, different types of rounds that you put in an AR-15, you wouldn't have asked those questions because they're just 
some some of them are just so irrelevant you know oh, to, yeah. to the grand scheme of the whole trial it's like why bring it up or if you're trying to throw mud obviously to the wall and see what sticks and hope the jury picks up on it but you know the I, I just imagine that lead prosecutor he I don't know if he's ever taken a gun safety <laughs> class in his life. Yeah, but, like uh, he, sure, he sure didn't act like it. I'll say that. But yeah, and like that's the thing. Like we we don't get a lot of conservatives that go into law. So, like honestly, if if we had just even one lawyer with uh, a good background of firearms defending Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, he could have easily just objected to a lot of this based solely on the ground of it not being relevant to the situation. And I know like there's even things that I, I honestly was not impressed with the defense. They, I, I would say they did not put on the greatest show of just annihilating the arguments as they came through it, but really, they really didn't have to, you know, that obviously the prosecution has to make their case. You're innocent until proven guilty, but you know, there's just so many things that I guess I would have said differently or um, argued more aggressively just I don't know even I'm just thinking even back to the way the sling uh was wrapped around him that kind of became an issue at the very end um you know with that videotape uh that was admitted into evidence but wasn't supposed to be used as evidence and then in the fine print it said uh if you use this as evidence you've probably already lost the case so don't really use this in any legal format and they're like oops Oh, well, oh. you know, but uh, the argument of, well, the sling, you know, if they would have presented, like, in my mind, the defense team, you put them in Kyle's shoes, put the jury in Kyle's shoes as much as possible. Okay. And so if you're, if you have all the equipment that you know, he has, and they're arguing that uh, towards the end of the case, they're arguing, well, he pointed the gun at somebody causing them to take that as a threat and then they saw it as an active shooter and then they have the right to just come barreling down on this guy which isn't even legally correct you know you got to have a realistic fear of your life being threatened and even then yeah. if you're if your gunman's running away you can't just chase him down and pursue him as if you're a cop but, uh, but that's aside the point anyways getting back to the sling and the idea of how he's holding the gun if they were to presented it you know just having a sling having an air 15 myself knowing that when a tight sling is against you and a good thing he, he had that because obviously otherwise I think his gun would have been probably taken away from him uh, in the course of all this. The idea of the video and it was such a blurry video I, I don't believe for a second that he was actually pointing the gun at people like the prosecution was trying to claim but not only is it not you, you can't really prove it which is the prosecution's job and they've done a poor job but also you can almost definitively disprove it based off of how a sling works uh when you're a right-handed shooter and the sling is tight you can't just swap your gun over to your left hand shoot as if you're shooting left-handed uh and go from there as you know if, as if to point the gun at the crowd or at somebody using your left hand one it would make no sense because he was a right-handed guy but two it was almost impossible and if they would have just stood there uh kind of like you're OJ is kind of a bad example, but you know, your OJ Simpson moment where you're standing there saying, this is not physically possible. You can't in a half a second or a couple seconds, you can't swap right-handed to left-handed, use the gun, use the sling, you know, demonstrate it to everybody. 
have it, have them, you know, see for themselves, if they were to try this, they wouldn't be able to do it. Their timeline doesn't hold up with the prosecution of how Kyle supposedly would have pointed a gun directly at him on this blurry photo. That's not supposed to be used in evidence, you know, in a, in a court case like this, it's, you know, that, that video evidence is, you, you can use it as a detective to verify or confirm other things or kind of reach in the right direction for other evidences, but it's not supposed to be your main source of evidence, but I mean, this blurry video and just the idea of how practically something would happen that you think you see in this blurry video. I mean, the, the defense team, they could have just annihilated them on that. And I get at a certain point, they, there is some discussion to, um, with how they weren't sharing evidence uh, as they're supposed to. And oh, yeah. really, it, it gave them such a good case. I mean, it, I'll say this, if if Kyle would have uh, been found guilty on literally anything, they would have had grounds for mistrial. It, it would, I mean, I would hope even if he would have been guilty, they, the judge would have had to throw it out. But um, but just the, the fact that they're not supposed to use this, they didn't share the video like that. And then they didn't have the proper time to even mount a defense like this just because of the fumbling of the prosecution team, whether purposely or not, I've read in some news stories that they had some uh, video software on the computers that kind of yeah. showed their intent there. But yeah, basically uh, just, they, yeah, they basically used a program called Throttle. Oh, uh, basically the way it works that it helps compress video. So it's usually easier to send because like they're breaking down a lot of the, major stuff and it's not really used in court cases especially if you're using it for just short videos like uh like we saw the evidence like you basically want to use throttle if you're dealing with audio like i'm going to be doing with my podcast and i just want to clean out a lot of dead air super quickly right yeah so i mean just the idea that you know maybe they if they would have had more time or the the correct notice on this video they would have mounted a better defense on on that piece in particular but it's just it's crazy to me how you know they i don't know i i think they could have dunked on them so bad with all the facts if you just lay it out and do a a step-by-step how how this would have practically worked for kyle to do something that they're uh claiming that he did with the firearm it i mean i get the prosecution wanted to win and they clearly uh, skirted around some uh, legal avenues there with just some of the arguments they were making, but yeah, it's just yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't I was not impressed at all with the defense on this whole case, uh, start to finish. I thought they could have been more aggressive on it, but yeah, um, like and like basically they knew that the court case was dead in the water, but they want to hang Kyle in the eyes of the public and. Like, did you hear about this story where DC Comics actually made a, a superhero uh, Superman storyline where they had uh, Superman's son go to college and a school shooter named Kyle Orr shows up and tries to shoot everyone there with an AR-15? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I yeah. guess they legally can do that, but it's still crazy oh. that they... They just don't, these people, they don't look at the facts at all. And yeah, even well, back to the prosecution, like it, the idea of them, uh, I don't know if you caught the, the part where Kyle was on the stand and the prosecutor, their line of questioning, 
I mean, the, the judge came unglued on him pretty good on some of it, but uh, just for him to sit there and say, uh, you, you know, you, you, you don't have, you, you realize you don't have the right to protect property with your firearm. And of course he says, yes, like, duh. And, and he kept going on and you don't have the right to protect a car or, you know, whatever this or that. And it's like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the line of questioning there, you know, and granted they got scolded for it, but just they, it's, it's almost to me like the prosecution was pushing for a mistrial a little bit and knowing yeah. that they probably don't, they, they knew they didn't have a strong enough case. Uh, they're trying to push for a mistrial, but um mistrial uh i think it's what is it with special circumstances or yeah. or with prejudice that's what it is uh mistrial with prejudice then he just walks you know too so it's kind of like they from what i saw from what it looked like it looked like they were pushing for a mistrial by doing some of these things but then when they got to the point where they're getting scolded so bad they couldn't continue to do it exactly like that without it being uh with prejudice like a mistrial with prejudice so it, to me, I don't know, it's just, it's interesting how the, the case unfolded with them and their shady tactics and just, uh, you know, being scolded by the judge. It's like it, it even if he would have been found guilty of the felonies that he was being charged with, they would have such a strong case uh, just on a number of issues with that whole, the whole proceeding of it. And I think that's why the judge was, you know, getting so unglued with them towards the end too. Just those viral videos of the judge just coming unglued and yelling at him, you know, saying, what are you doing? Like, this is not how America is supposed to work. You, they have rights and really, you know, they're, they're risking their own careers potentially uh, by just, you know, doing these things as far as having him comment on, you know, his yeah. uh his right to to plead the fifth essentially or not not to speak on a case or a, a, something that he's being charged with you know he has the right to do that and to bring that up or to just bring up the i uh, kind of go into th certain things that the judge had deemed off limits you know it you, you just wonder at the end of the day you know how corrupt is the prosecution team because you and me both obviously even just with our time at morris we've used or we've we've dealt with corrupt prosecutors, corrupt police officers, you know, I mean, there, there are people out there, they have an agenda, you know, when they're, when they're getting paid by, you know, whoever the bureaucrats in government or whatever, you know, some elected officials and they have an agenda like that, you just wonder, you know, what was their agenda going into this knowing the, essentially that they don't, it's surprising that they even went to trial, but knowing they don't have a shot at all, of uh you know winning a case and then it's like uh, it, it almost seemed like well how do you create mo the most havoc now how do you get the most uproar from the public it turns into a, such a public trial at that point and their tactics there i don't know i i question you know there, there's funny business going on there that they were yeah. uh trying to provoke more protesters in my opinion but yeah we'll and <laughs> and since you brought up our time at morris uh if you don't mind you want to tell our audience about the bathroom incident oh yeah um let's see here i'd have to think back on that one uh boy and the statue of limitations are up on that i think right no i'm just kidding uh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong uh, nothing okay did wrong but um uh, no, it, was, it was interesting okay uh, uh, 
uh, hold up, but before we go into it, uh, just something I, I just want to put out there as a general rule, uh, no, no names of just random people, okay? That, that's the, my only major rule here. Oh, right, yeah, we won't uh, dox any yeah. terrible police officers or uh, school officials or anything. No, I mean, it was, I, I'm trying to think back to all the details there. I think what someone had accused you of, of going into the bathroom and sketching what was it die homos or something yeah like yeah which like, really it, it brings a question to mind when i was first called in to to verify some of the stuff or to like be questioned on this so of you particularly it's like so are they saying they were right behind you in the men's restroom uh while you're trying to take a dump and uh, watching you sketch this or how did they know it was you definitively and how do they have proof of this Dude, did they really bring a camera into the men's restroom and videotape you or are we just taking people's words for it because you're gonna sit until proven guilty like there's just so much oh, wrong yeah. with it yeah and like but, like the thing is uh like i know the individual who claimed he saw me do it uh he went to campus police but they but uh since the campus didn't have any real evidence they they actually just kicked it over to for some reason, someone over in, in student activities, like, so yeah. basically. No, it's yeah. just, I'm like laughing, I'm chuckling here, because it's just like, that's just, <laughs> oh, the cops can't deal with it. Hey, student activities, you guys give it a whirl, see what you can find here, like, yeah. investigative committee that knows all the, the rules and rights of our students here. Uh, just poke and prod till you find us something that we can really run with here. Uh, no, I, it was interesting. They, yeah, they called me in uh, to be questioned about you, and like it was just the most awkward thing. Like, is it in my head? I was always thinking, like, is this really how this campus is run? You know, you get a hearsay complaint about something that I, you got to think to. Like, I, I honestly, on that whole deal, I would argue. It had to have been one of the LGBTQ Batman yeah. symbol, AIP, WXYZ, upside down Q. I don't know, whatever you want to get there. Their community, they keep adding these dopey letters as if it means something different. They're all just kind of yeah, little like, off their crocker there. But um, but no, I you have to think it, it had to have been one of those people because yeah. I'm trying to put myself, obviously, as a conservative myself. Going into the men's restroom, etching this, it, it, it does it really, re do they think this would really register in a conservative's mind? Like, this will show them die homos in the bathroom stall. Yeah, like, you, what, you have to bring in, like, a pocket knife or something and yeah. etch it in. Like, is that is that the worst you could do to uh, rattle the, I can think of 10 things off the top of my head that were much worse than we did back in college that <laughs> would have got their goats much worse. Like, if you... It, it 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 had it it's just it seems like something that would be made up like a jesse smollett case uh you know yeah. just a fake hate crime sort of a thing that you can't prove but more importantly in their eyes you can't disprove you know like they, they can't prove it was you but you can't disprove that what you know that it was you either you know so it it, it it's like there's it's all hearsay which is kind of the argument that they need and they yeah. want because they know that nothing like that would really happen like they know that the pro-life conservative faction of campus 
would not go and tell someone to go die, you know? Yeah, like, like, that's not something that's not the message that even you think about conservative Christians, they'd have to be saying that a conservative Christian male probably because it was in the men's restroom, right? So a conservative Christian male who had a beef with the LGBT blah, blah, blah community uh, would go into a bathroom take a knife, etch it in there and think, oh, I'm doing the Lord's work here. Yes. Oh, you know, oh. it's it like that, the whole concept, it, it doesn't hold water. You know, there's not, yeah. you, there's no one that I know, uh, as far as every conservative person that I know, there's no one that I know of that would actually do that and see that as a win. But I could think of a lot of people on the other side of the aisle that would think, well, if we create this ruckus on campus and maybe cause some trouble for good old Tim Shrimp, the outspoken pro-life, uh, pro-gun conservative on campus, you know, it, if you know, if you, they stall him at all for even a week and give him some legal trouble with the cops or get him to, you know, poke the bear enough that he says something that he shouldn't or whatever, gets himself into trouble just by commenting on it, you know, worth a shot I, I definitely would see leftists trying to do that in some way shape or form I mean you, you gotta realize like the 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 mighty chalkboard that we had so many skirmishes over and so many people commenting and just the borderline insane people yeah. using it over was a mere 20 feet away that you could have done something much bigger much better much worse more impacting something people would actually see Instead, the, the person that's going to do this chooses the bathroom, you know, whatever, third stall yeah. to the right bathroom inside. I mean, it's just it, the, the logic behind it is just so insane. But just the, the way that they did this too, oh. you know, with investigating it, and it, it really wasn't even an issue. It's almost a laughable issue until they actually take it seriously or on their terms, take it seriously. And start bringing people in to interview them and say like oh is uh, tim a uh, harm to himself or do you think he would ever harm like one of the homos on campus like do you think he would actually go and try to kill one of them it's like uh is that a serious question about the guy who's running the pro-life club i mean you you understand english right that pro-life means uh, <laughs> in support of life right or you know i know you're your high stature here at the great university of minnesota means you're smart but uh clearly you're asking dumb questions yeah um, like no, I'm, <laughs> I'm being a little smart here but you, know, you can just imagine like my thinking being called in on some of that and having to deal with the campus police on that issue in particular because i you know as head of the college republicans and even other heads of the college republicans or anyone involved as an officer of the college republicans they obviously were involved a lot in many different aspects of you know just criminal activity uh, that uh, not us committing criminal activity, but other people on campus committing criminal activity and having to go to the cops and having to work with them. And then other issues, you know, like we had, well, there's something with the teepee that they said, they claim that there are Trump stickers yeah. or something on their teepee and it must've been the conservatives. They're going to like, that doesn't show, yeah. you know, a win. It's not a win for conservatives to do something like that. It's petty. It'd be something uh, the leftists would do there too. Yeah, but and just kind go of going, yeah, and just kind of going back to the bathroom incident, like it was really interesting for me because, like, I did not hear this from anyone before they told you. Like, I got straight from you, like, they said, Hey, uh, someone 
Barry from Student Activity called me in and said, uh, you're under that all these accusations are being held against you. And like, I stuck up for you, Tim. You don't got to worry. Uh, I'll definitely sponsor your podcast for my business someday. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. But, and again, like, I get an email saying, hey, Tim, you want to come into my office sometime, talk about this incident? Uh, yeah. And I bring you in, just kind of, kind of talking in and like, yeah, Barry just felt like he knew he fucked up, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I am sorry. This was inappropriate. I should have come to you first. I'm like, yeah, you should have. The law yeah, says I mean, you should have come to me first. At that time, though, too, I'm trying to think yeah. uh, when that exactly happened. I mean, we had so many other issues with campus police, the administration, you know, everything ranging from destruction of property to, uh, you know, they always were claiming, oh, you're having hate speech on campus. And we're trying to fight that. And then um, what are some of the other things we were just we're constantly at odds with the campus police force? And then it's like, you call us in for this? Like, we have better things to deal with, people. What happened to the big, you know, the big issues, the big beefs you had? You got tiny little beefs over something you can't prove. And, you know, they, it just, the way they handled it, it's almost like they, the campus police, in my mind, was like, they got so much else to deal with with us or with other people to pass it on to, you know, student activities or something and uh you know let them run with it and get back to me if you find something it's like that that whole process i I think if you had to dig deep on that that was not how that should have played out i mean i don't know if the the campus police probably has the ability to uh delegate maybe some of their investigatory work yeah but it just it doesn't seem very professional Oh, um, oh, definitely the people they handed it off to did not know what they were doing or what they were even asking for. It's just like, will you help us find this needle in this haystack that's apparently there? And it's like, uh, no, <laughs> like you were, yeah, like, you know, we're, we're students here. We're not going to want, you know, even if hypothetically, even if let's say you had done this, what made them think I would actually comply with them and help them out? in the course of coming after you for it you know it's like do you think one i'd be dumb enough to just rat on one of my own people and try to you know and you'd probably get you know kicked out of college i would imagine they'd you know if they were to i'm trying to think like if they could have connected the dots let's say the guy that said you did that or one of the other things that the, you know i know you had a lot of claims about a lot of stuff uh, throughout college this is just one of the more ridiculous things uh that came about but let's even say the guy that claimed you did this had a camera was in the bathroom recording you in the stall <laughs> doing this um what would they have charged you with i, I would imagine they try to get you expelled for having death threats or something right i mean they that was their intent or i mean at least the the leftists that probably did this uh, and reported you supposedly for doing this, that was probably their hope, right? Or their intent. I would, I can't imagine yeah. another intent. Uh, I mean, they're not just there to waste your time, you know, yeah, they're like, there to really see you go away. Uh, yeah, like, yeah, like I read the police report or it uh, based against me. Like the guy who reported me claimed that, that uh, I was unstable because uh, I went off on, 
I made it clear that I hated the group Queer Devil Worshippers for a Better Future, which was harassing us regularly with so many threats, and it only exploded from there. So, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, like I posted about uh, the bathroom incident on uh, my Facebook at the like as I was about to graduate, being like, hey, this is what my alma mater did to me kind of thing. And like my uncle, he's a former cop. He saw that, that and he was glad I stood up for myself. And uh, he and his daughter was actually going to school at Morse that same year. So like he actually told me about this not too long ago. Last time I saw uh, him, uh, he dropped off his daughter. There was kind of toying around, stop by. I, uh, Barry's office said, hey, ba hey, you're Barry, right? Uh, yeah, my nephew went here for a while. I said, oh, really? Who's your nephew? Uh, Tim Shrimp of the All You Can Eat Shrimp podcast. And uh, Barry just shat himself, oh, according to him, like, oh, uh, what'd he say? And he said, yeah, I, I know about the bathroom incident. And so, uh, Nick, if you pull any of this crap on my daughter, Enjoy lawsuits. Yeah. Well, that, like, honestly, that is one thing. Um, I think it's worth noting here. I got another story that'll tie into this. Um, really, the minute that you show teeth and say, if you don't stop now on this ridiculous accusation that you have no proof for, I will sue you and I will sue the school and I will come after you, you know, to to make it right that you, you know, you at your position here, possibly may get fired or may have some, you know, form of action against you on behalf of the school because you're not doing your job correctly. The, the minute you actually show your teeth, they, they instantly back away. I mean, it, it is oh, the, yeah. the worst thing that honestly, if I could give any advice to young conservatives sitting on a liberal based campus, you know, some, something like the university of Minnesota Morris, I say, don't be afraid to lawyer up and take the fight to them because yeah. there's so many times where me just kind of as a head of the group, but also just one that I, I always saw it as kind of as a president that if there's someone being attacked, that's my people in my group, uh, it's, I see it as an attack on me and I'm going to defend them. And if you screw with them, it'll come back at you tenfold like no doubt like just that's a promise not a threat but it's just you know we're we're professionals here but you just we we expect to be treated with respect and we'll give you the same and if you don't treat us with respect we'll give it you know dole it right back to you but you know there's even uh one other incident uh where it was just it was so crazy the way things turned around with one of the members of the campus police force uh on the day after the election of trump uh we'd been sitting there at the table <laughs> with uh all of our stickers uh handing out trump stickers and of course like now that trump had won everyone is a little bit more open to being public about it they everyone saw him on that campus as a loser and of course no one wants to back a loser um but now people are taking our stickers it didn't sit well with some people on campus uh we had one individual um that came up dumped coffee on us and of course he ran away <laughs> but the one thing we had a perfect uh, identification on him based off of his physical appearance. And I'm not gonna say what that was because I'd, I'd probably give him away a little bit, but uh, the campus police came over 
And uh, she said, oh, no one, everyone here says they don't know who did it. So I got you like, kind of like, oh, we don't know. And then I said, I, I will send out uh, email to all the college Republicans to be on the lookout for an individual with this attribute, this attribute, this attribute. I will guarantee you we'll find him by five o'clock tonight and we will know who he is. And it, the, the fear of God kind of set in with her. And then her next tactic was, oh yeah, okay, well, you know, really you don't want to press charges against him or anything, do you? Because, you know, then we can trump charges up against you for this and that. And, you know, we'll come up and come after you if you actually want to do anything here. We just want him to sit and talk with the, at that time, you know, they, they were saying the LGBTQ specialist or whatever, the helper staff, like, oh, he just needs some counseling. Like he, he realizes what he did wrong. He just needs counseling. I said, no, that's not good enough. I'm sorry. We need to press charges here. Are you yeah. sure? Well, we're, we're going to, well, we might have to press charges against you for other stuff in the past. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, do you, you don't really want to get into that. Do you? And it's like, I literally told her, I said, we're pressing charges. I will see you in court. If you will need to charge me, I will see you in court and I will defend myself. And then what I did, I think I did everything right. Whatever you're going to bring up against me or whoever is here in my group. If you have charges to press, press them. Otherwise we'll see you in court. And it just, the way they back down when you say, I will lawyer up, I am glad to. We have, you know, and the fun thing too, a part of just going to CPAC, um, you, you get to rub elbows with some of the different uh, legal firms, yeah. that, you know, different types of cases. You know, not every single one of them is going to apply in every situation. You got some that are strictly freedom of speech people. You got some that, you know, if you got other issues with, you know, destruction of property or, you know, one case we had even against us, an individual was being charged with like trespassing with a firearm at Morris. And it's just the craziest crock. Yeah, I mean, it, it didn't yeah. go anywhere, but, but you know, the, the funny thing is it's like, Hmm, which law firm shall we call today? You know, it's what, what are we being charged with? Oh, here we go. Here's our uh, freedom of speech <laughs> expert. Uh, here's our coffee dumping expert. Yeah. He's really good, you know? And uh, you know, it's just interesting how they, they try to minimize it and they try to minimize everything about it with, with the press, especially because they know nothing scares away their big rich donors, like showcasing how bad of an operation they got going on there, you know, as, yeah. as far as political stuff goes. Yeah. I feel like I, surprisingly, yeah, I, I do think there's still, you know, and I I've seen like Prager you or turning point has come up with something. I think one of the two, they came up with something where it was like they're trying to um, get conservative donors to stop donating money specifically to their school for, to be used for liberal purposes. And I think that's great, too, because, I mean, nothing honestly gets their goal worse. Like conservative donors will stop donating if they see something like that. I know they commented uh, so much with people in the past um, when I've been sitting at tables and uh, past alumni have come up and said yeah we were part of the college republicans or whatever too they they the comment is always that morris was like the first university i think that had a guy and a guy homecoming king and queen uh and they overnight lost just a ton of donors on that deal too and they know you know i don't know if they picked up as much donors as they had lost obviously not um but just the idea that the press can hurt them and help them depending on what the press actually runs with and cases like whenever we're involved the conservatives the college republicans 
if we're making headlines, that's usually a bad thing for them. <laughs> they don't want to air that. Yeah, like it just angers the left, and usually the 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 leftist donors get angry about it. Then the leftist students try to counter it and create a bigger news story about something, and then your conservative donors see that and see, wow, what a ruckus is that, and they pull out too. So there's really for a conservative on campuses like this, especially at Morris, don't be afraid to threaten to bring in lawyers and charge them back. You know, don't don't be afraid to take it back to them and don't be afraid to go to the press with stuff too. I mean, the, the yeah. biggest thing for them they don't want to see is a big head headline that, you know, local crazy leftist does something ridiculous to campus conservatives, making the campus seem unsafe to any conservatives. And we're just a big think tank for all leftism. I mean, that's really not what they want in the press, you know. They, yeah. And kind of want it to be a happy-go-lucky campus, uh, and, but obviously uh, with a strong left-leaning tendency. But yeah, you know, they, and, don't wanna, they, they can't say the in the head thing out loud. You know, they got to keep that in your head. So, uh, yeah, and like I feel like that's kind of why Calvin House uh, was so important. Like his trial basically showed to conservatives that we should not back down. Like, like he stood up to the mob of not just the riots, but to the media. And he came out victorious. So like, honestly, if there's anything we can take from the Calrian House situation, in my opinion, is to never stop fighting. Yeah, and I would even say too, I mean, the government was there sort of that night for Kyle. I mean, they're a block away. He's guarding a building. He's not using his weapon to guard that building, but he's using a weapon as a deterrent that no one messes with him personally who's trying to guard that building. Yeah. He's putting out fires. You know, the, the idea of, you know, what it, the, the idea of the militia and what that really means. And when the government stops enforcing the law and it's just chaos in any, yeah. in any sense of the form, and you have your places of uh, business and your the homes that you live in above those places of business being burned to the ground or being looted or destroyed. Uh, I really do think it's time that, you know, the, the good people that obviously show good control over yourself and your firearms, you, you act in a decent orderly way. But think about this, like if, I don't know how many protesters are on the ground that night, but you think if maybe 200 armed individuals with you know red blood in their veins that uh were there just to protect or just to be eyes and had cameras running and were there just you know defending buildings or whatever uh i mean none of this stuff would have happened there would have been no car sources burned to the crisp there would have been no big uh furniture stores lit on fire you know just the right of the people to bear arms and form a militia here. It's like if if the mayor doesn't send in or the governor doesn't send in the National Guard when there's an obvious state of unrest and the police force is forming a line, you know, blocks away, but letting them just destroy a part of the town. I don't know. I think it, it does stand that we have the right to self-defense and we have the right to just be present at our place of business or hire people to be present at our place of business and protect what's ours too. Not saying to kill people over it, but the, the whole concept uh, in self-defense too of shout, 
shove, show, and shoot. You know, and that came up in the trial too. Just, you know, if someone's about, if you're standing in front of a building and uh, let's say a guy's lighting a Molotov cocktail, you say, hey, you know, throw that down. And uh, you can, you know, try to stop him, use a reasonable amount of means to stop him. And, you know, if he's lighting a building on fire with people in it that can potentially kill people, or if he's going to go, let's say, blow up a gas station <laughs> with a lit dumpster fire, um, you know, if it's all chaos, you might as well try to defend the lives of the innocent and not, you know, let these, you know, leftists run loose with everything. I mean, we have you know, even you think even like from a Christian standpoint of, you know, defending your life and defending what God has given you and doing well by it. You don't just let rioters and looters come into your home and take everything you have and burn it to the ground. I mean, you can exercise a reasonable sense of defense against them. And that too, like you said, in this trial, that really came out like Americans still do have the right to self-defense. And then just it would be such a blow to the second amendment and self-defense if the trial would have actually gone the other way if he would have been found guilty it would have set a tone and a precedent in the country over what you know if the law is on the books but a jury doesn't ever stand by it then it's really like not having the law at all you know and and the leftists they know that too that they'll try yeah. to fight to end the, the second amendment or try to get it off their books. But if they can't, which they haven't been successful in doing mostly, I mean, they've gotten a few things around the edges, mostly uh, put through, but if you think about it, their next step would be to try to pull something like this, that if, even if it's on the books, but you don't apply it or a jury doesn't allow it, then it really is like, you don't have it at all too. So yeah. it is just and, a landmark case, even though it was so obvious and honestly, to me, we set the bar too high with Kyle Rittenhouse here. He's too uh, too innocent, really, uh, for what he's done with, as far as waiting for people that are pointing a gun at his head. You know, it's just ridiculous that, that this actually came to trial, but it just is setting too much. Because next time, if the people are threatening you, but they don't have the gun pointed at your head, they're going to think, well, they have to do that. Oh, no, it, you have the realistic ability and duty to defend your own life if your life is threatened so no it's a, a lot of yeah. uh, topics here to cover today so yeah great having you on the show uh would you like to close this out yeah i guess uh this is caleb layman with land plus appraisals and it's been a pleasure uh being here with you tim uh and being on the show all you can eat shrimp with uh, tim shrimp all right thank you